Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. For any new listeners who don't know what to expect, in each episode, I interview an expert on an emerging area of public relations. I get to the facts, but I leave out the jargon. It's a podcast about marketing, but it's in plain language. No, really, it is. (laughs) Welcome back to all of my regular listeners too. If any of you have any comments or questions, just tweet me at Stella Bales. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and on iTunes, whatever you listen on at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. You may well notice that we're in a different environment today. That is because... We've got a special interview and I'm interviewing Simon the Grease. He's the VP of Marketing at Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema, for anyone that doesn't know, anyone in the UK will definitely know Secret Cinema and they've just launched in the US actually. So some of you in the US will start to hear about it. But it's all about experiences. So what better interview to have in real life (laughs) than with Simon at Secret Cinema. So He's about to join me, so we are going to get into what his plans are for Secret Cinema. But also, he has only been there for four months, so we're going to dig into some of his past roles, which are really interesting because they're all about building audiences and building brand as well. So I want to find out what his view is on the role of PR in amongst the other marketing mixes, how he organises paid versus PR, what his favourite metrics are, of course, how he expects his agencies to report and how he uses those metrics in his own reporting and analysis. And importantly, in his new role at Secret Cinema, how he finds agencies. So without further ado, he's about to arrive. Here's Simon. Simon, thank you for joining me on the PR Resolution podcast. No worries, happy to be here. Very excited to have you on because I don't always get, I manage to get people in from in-house roles. So can't wait to get your (laughs) thoughts. (laughs) So first of all, you started at Secret Cinema in January, was that right? That's correct, yes, about four months in. And what does the VP of marketing in four months at an amazingly cool brand like Secret Cinema look like? Yeah, very exciting exciting. It's been a roller coaster already in, in just four months. We've just launched our first show for the summer, which is Greece up in Birmingham. First foray outside of London here in the UK. So that's been keeping me quite busy as well as building the team, appointing agencies, kind of getting everything set up for the years ahead. Building teams, appointing agencies. This sounds interesting. This is where we're going to get the juice. So are you completely sort of reworking the approach to marketing there? How much can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, obviously a name like Secret Cinema, there's some stuff I can't tell you. But yeah, we are looking to kind of rebuild the team around core disciplines. So around acquiring customers and retaining them. And then our show marketing team responsible for taking the show, creating the key art, determining the audience and owning the whole plan. So a small but perfectly formed in-house team and then agency support where we need it. Okay. Before I get into the agency support, because I know we've got a mix of listeners for this show. There's Mm -hmm. some people who are in-house, but lots of agencies. So obviously they love hearing about this kind of thing. But you mentioned there some of the objectives, Mm -hmm. KPIs, new customers, retaining customers. Mm -hmm. 
anybody who knows Secret Cinema, which would be most, uh, nearly everybody in the UK are listening and hopefully starting to be some of the US listeners as well, start to hear about Secret Cinema, will know that it is secret, but you need to be signed up, right, on the mailing list. Is that the best way to become a customer and to yeah. know about new shows? That's definitely the best way to stay up to date on what's coming. But for us, we grow our audience by launching new shows, acquiring customers to come along to those, and then hopefully to the next one and the next one. What mm. we do know is once someone has had an amazing experience at their first show, they're hooked. Really? Uh, so they is, do go to yeah, more? It is mind-blowing, the experience you can have. Yes. So people are very, very keen to go to something something else. The big challenge that we have is that fans of one film may not be a fan of another, but we have seen people cross genres from folks who love Dirty Dancing and Star Wars. Sounds like quite a interesting mix but it is possible a and people have dream, though, yeah right? exactly exactly <laughs> but people have crossed that bridge and that's really exciting for us to see to me it shows we are creating experiences that people absolutely love and will come time and time and time again mm. i can imagine that you have all sorts of metrics that would be important to you in as a head of marketing but are those your key it's new customers and retention of current yeah i think like for me like coming in trying to figure out where we focus and having the metrics that help us focus has been part of the last four months. And yeah, it is it is about acquiring new audiences, but it's not just about spending money on bringing people through the door. It is key that we retain people as well. So for me, that's not just marketing that does that. That is the experience that does that. Totally. I mean, it's part of the, I guess in any other world, you call it the product, but it is part of, of that, the product we deliver, that someone has a cracking experience, the best night out of the year, that they want to come again and again and again. No amount of email marketing is going to solve that, right? So involving marketing within that experience design and of the show has been something that I'm keen to kind of accelerate within the business as well. Mm. So the more folks we retain, the more people they tell, word of mouth, actually makes the rest of the job slightly easier. Yeah. So I know that you've only been in Secrets and Mars for four months, so I know you might not be able to talk about your plans here, but building audiences must have been part of your past roles. When you are trying to attract and build, so build an audience, attract new customers, what do you believe is the perfect marketing mix <laughs> and also the role of PR yeah, in these? Okay. I mean, it'd be great if you could talk about secrets, but yeah, I understand like, if you can't. Yeah, I mean, thing. early days there, like I say, and it's all secrets, so I couldn't possibly. <laughs> but in general, I don't, I don't think there is a perfect mix. It depends on the business that you're in, the stage of the business, sometimes the budget that you have to go play with. So I there's not one single one size fits all when it comes to mix. What I, I guess I do default to in my thinking is around how do I get a, a breadth of, of coverage from top of funnel all the way through and what channels can help me do different parts of that funnel, right? So if I have the budget, I probably am thinking mass media. I am probably thinking out of home and TV and everything to kind of drive that initial awareness and then into something like PR and organic social and word of mouth to try and move through consideration. Digital, usually the most kind of efficient way of activating or acquiring and then into email and push and SMS and everything for the retention and loyalty driver. But like I say, if I've got money, it's maybe, you know, bigger awareness driving spend. If I'm somewhere smaller that doesn't necessarily have the budgets or my customer isn't there, I don't think you default to TV to go and attract a certain type of customer. That's where PR can be really, really interesting and really useful. 
When it's a brand new customer, you're um, trying to attract new people. Or retaining folks as well, okay. I think. Like, it's something interesting to be said for being loyal to a brand and seeing them doing great things in press or paid media. To be able to say that, I guess, sparks that continual love for a brand. I think you can do that. Yeah. For me, I've always... PR's been the weapon of, always, of choice for consideration and awareness where you have something catchy that works. I think back to time spent in a pet brand during COVID, actually. What was the pet brand? Uh, itch. Itch okay. Pet subscription, flea and worming products for cats and dogs. Needed. I need to get it's mine, actually, for my cat. Uh, well, you just reminded me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that, that we were doing outdoor and then that stopped. Small in you know, tiny little global pandemic came along and kind of made that less effective. Great TV opportunity there. But there was something missing and in the mix, and that was was effective PR. I think we were getting some coverage and it was tangential to the business. They were really fun stories, but it didn't really say anything about the brand. So it wasn't helping to position the business in a consumer's mind. It was a funny story some entertaining graphics and maybe a footnote with a URL in. Technically that's coverage, but I don't know how useful that coverage is. So we pivoted, we changed agencies and we pivoted strategy to move itch away from being a commodity DTC or just get that thing online and get it delivered to how can they be my partner? How can I trust them? How am I sure they are experts? Mm. And that for me, like I could have done that in TV, but we're taking a lot of time and a lot of money and the cynicism and questioning nature of the public being like, am I going to believe that just because it's an advert? It's hard to do that in, in paid digital, same kind of uh, effect as TV. So how do we get other voices in the room yeah. to position the brand as pet experts? And so we... We added a tagline, you know, the pet wellness experts you know, in, into the brand and made that a key part of the strategy. So moved to a world where we had a pet panel. We had a, a dog behaviorist, a cat psychologist. And uh, yeah, apparently it's a thing, <laughs> a vet, you know, a dog trainer. So we actually had folks from around the, the industry who were able to talk to different things related to pet health and well-being. Having them on board as part of the team helped us move the consideration away from being a oh it's a flea and wormy thing mm. to oh they understand me and my pet we still did that in a fun and interesting way we painted famous animal scenes from movies with actual dog poo <laughs> I yep. wasn't expecting you to say that yeah poo portraits <laughs> loads of coverage off the back of this and all about the importance of looking at your pet's poo to identify health issues so it was a, an absurd idea with a key point that helped to position us as people who knew what we were talking about yeah. every pet business at Valentine's Day always does oh we love our pets aren't they wonderful we went with doggy style we <laughs> did a piece of research about pets in the bedroom whilst you were being intimate with your partner is it allowed does it freak them out does it freak you out great amount of coverage but yeah. again it helped position us as a brand who understood pet owners and pets and what they needed. Yeah. So that for me was the, is the most powerful part that PR can play. So with something like those campaigns or anything that you're planning with Secret Cinema, when it is about a, a shift in perception of the brand or a storytelling piece, how do you measure success? Oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> Three ways, typically. F short term is about the coverage you are you're receiving and not just quantity but quality 
midterm quality i'm going to ask questions for yeah, you go. don't love measurement so quality in terms of target media that you want to be in or is it in terms of images that are included key messages all, all of, of the, the above, above. <laughs> yeah so i've created a, a weighted scorecard that um, perfect tell us the about agency. the scoring yeah. card <laughs> so um it bases everything off of tier of coverage so we tier the the media first off one two and three nice and simple then visibility so how prominent are you in the article so if there's an image if there's you know mentioned in the headline this that, and the other and there's points associated to each of these right something where you are in the headline versus a footnote is not equal in quality for the brand. And then now that most of what we do is, is digital, the importance of link in a piece, whether or not that is follow or no follow, whether it's a DR you know, domain rating of 30 or above. So it's a quality link back to the site. And then it, it weights all of this into a score. And then I would typically look at it you know, by piece, but also in aggregate over the month and be able to look back and say, right, yes, we got 500 pieces, but the quality is a you know, 30% score. Yeah. I'd actually rather have 100 pieces at a quality of 70, 80%. So, so there's a balance there. On the, did you say DA? DA, okay. DR, like, yeah. So domain authority, mm-hmm. your rating. So did you have a scoring above? So if, what was considered good or not so good? Think back to the last couple of hours, 30 plus was yeah. decent. I think that was partially based on where we were as a domain at that, yeah. that point in time and not wanting anything lower quality than, than we were in terms of a, an inbound link. So it probably comes down to your business, you know, your authority at that point where yeah. you set that benchmark in agreement with the agency or your team, what what is reasonable. But being able to kind of track those links over time and then attribute high ratings, high rankings and traffic off the back of that can then start you know, midterm, begin to demonstrate the value of PR. Yes, there's coverage, but if there's a solid link in there, it can help improve authority, improve your rankings, approve your search results and more traffic. So, but that, that's a longer game. This podcast is brought to you by CoverageBook, the tool that creates beautifully designed reports with credible metrics you can be proud of. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. With your experience on that, you know, the, the brand that you're talking about or past, when you were setting the scorecards, did you find that the PR teams that you're working with, the agencies specifically, were aware of those kind of metrics, were using those kind of metrics already? Were they based in the pitch and the briefs that you were going after certain agencies? Yes and no. So I think there were some folks that were very, very keen on measurement and actually wanted to hold themselves accountable and others less so. But I think it's always a dialogue. If you come in as, as the brand, and I've seen this, I've done this, and say, this is what it is, you're not best informed. That's why you work with agencies. They know the sector and the industry often better than you do as an in-house marketeer. So it's always a dialogue. Tearing media, for example, can look at some numbers, I can make some guesses, but actually insight from the team saying, actually, whilst their coverage, their, you know, their circulation is lower, they're a very powerful title within your industry. And I think that kind of dialogue helps set that, but it has to be an upfront conversation. Yeah. You can't have the agency run off and do one thing and then shock them with a set of measurements afterwards that they weren't working towards. Yeah. I would also say as well, the measurement has to align with the strategy. Right? If you are heavily trying to link build and that is the goal, then your measurement should be geared all around that. If it's just eyeballs, which I don't think is the right way to go do anything, then your measurement should be about that. And I think that's the scorecard allows you to kind of weight what is most important at the time. And 
allows you to shift it as well. You mentioned that once the PR agency was generating coverage and you were measuring and counting links and looking at the domain authority of those pieces of coverage, you said longer term, then did rankings change? Did we get traffic from those positions? Who was doing that kind of analysis? I've had it in several different fashions in the past. I've been blessed to have you know, an amazing SEO manager in the team when I was at DogBuddy and then Rover. So James, would you know, he, it was his responsibility to improve our rankings and worked in concert with our PR manager, Nina, to go do that. Other roles, it's been either our acquisition manager or, you know, this idiot, sitting there looking at the reports to measure that over time. But I think it is something you do need to let sit for a while. It's not an overnight win. PR people, you've heard this. Yeah. I mean, as a client... It's not instant. SEO is not instant. As a client, I'm absolutely going to say, where is the result? But you have to... Short term, long term, like you said, though. Exactly. And I think that you have to have some focus in there to be able to go after a few things at a time, see the needle move, demonstrate that your strategy is working and you've got the right setup for success and then move on to the next and the next and the next tranche of keywords and, and improve the rankings that way. I think that's that's always how I've done it rather than trying to rank for everything, you'll rank for nothing. So we've talked about search impact in long term from mm. PR and we've also talked about the role of PR being really important in storytelling and reputation around mm. brand and you know shifting perception of brand message. How do you think that can join up together for PR teams and maybe some advice here for PR agencies who know how important it is for marketing leads like yourself to be looking at SEO impact? Mm-hmm. We know that that's long term, but often campaigns can be short term. So what is best for PR sure. teams to try and work with that? Yeah. Having a mix of the two, not worrying about the SEO impact? Oh, I think if nowadays, if a PR agency is not thinking about an SEO impact, they're not going to be around for long, right? Any marketer worth their salt now is going to have a MD, a GM or CEO riding them for results and SEO needs to be a solid part of that. All, all, all brands and sectors? I'd say so, yeah. yeah. I think when you want something, where do you go? Google. So I think with that in mind, if that's where your consumer is going, and I I would put money on them going there some point in their journey. Granted, some user journeys start there. Oh, I need this. Off you go. A generic search through the experience and the brand is such at the end. Others, maybe you learn about from TV or you learn about from a conference or a networking event or even word of mouth. You probably then go to find them. So I think search has to be bedded in in any strategy. And I think as a result, then if someone's going to turn to a PR agency and expect their support in that, they need to be clued up on at least what it means and ideally how to impact it. To answer your question about shorter term campaigns, they're often easier to rank for because they're very specific pieces. Creating noise about one smaller thing, you are likely to have very little com- competition. You're likely to rank either directly or the media coverage you get is going to rank for that versus the you know, much, much, much longer tail terms that or generic terms that, yeah, it's a fight to the death mm. to get to the top of the SERPs. So I think, yeah, it's possible to do both. Would you expect or would have like your PR <laughs> agencies to be thinking about their overall contribution to links and the DAs of those links at the end of the year. So looking at the what they've achieved over the year and trying to do some kind of summary about, you know, what they've contributed to SEO. Yeah, I think that there's probably a 
the cadence there is probably a weekly check-in, a monthly, what have we done and how have things moved? And then, yeah, I mean, what a better way for an agency to come at the end of the year and say, look what we delivered. It's time to renew our contract. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our fees have gone up. You know, what an amazing combination to be able to say, like, but we added this value. And I think if if an agency would come and say, oh, we built these links. Like, okay, that's good. We built these links and it delivered this traffic. Okay, that's better. We built these links, delivered this traffic, and here's the commercial impact it had. Sold. Right? And I think that's the difference between good and great, is being able to demonstrate the impact that you've had. All taken with a pinch of salt, as like all of this should be, but that's different from just saying we got coverage. It's yeah. like, what did the coverage do? Yeah, it's great actually seeing there's been a real increase of digital agencies, so PR agencies with an SEO sort of strategy or input that have a heavy focus on creative as well. Mm -hmm. I know that from my past days of working in search agencies, it would either be you've got the creative PR agencies or digital PR agencies just focused on links. And Mm -hmm. it does feel like we're now in a place where there is a mix now and they are teaming up the two areas together. Are you finding that with your search of agencies now? Yeah, definitely. I think, again, horses for courses isn't in what you're trying to deliver, but definitely. There have been a good couple of agencies that have flown out of nowhere to right at the top of the uh, you know every list, winning awards left, right and centre, because they are pairing phenomenal creative ideas mm. with the ability to drive links and traffic and revenue. Yeah. So I think... That probably is the direction that the industry is going to head because I think that's what clients want. They want some of the glory of the like, oh, it's my name in lights like moment. But at the end of the day, that measurement's going to kick in and say, well, where are the results? Yeah. Just on the sticking with reports a little bit. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So do you feel that PR teams, if they had analysts maybe working with them, would you would you see that as a respectful thing or would you be like, no, you just focus on the PR, leave the analysis to us? Again, it's another way of demonstrating value to the client and probably depends on the client. If they've got a massive marketing team with marketing analysts, maybe less needed. But for smaller scale-ups and startups where that is not always a core part of the business, definitely. Yeah, I started my career in such marketing and performance marketing for a very long time before kind of switching into a softer, fluffier, warmer brand marketing oh, role. the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, eventually managing to fuse everything together. There's always part of me that just wants the cold, hard data behind it. So if you tell me there's an analyst in the team, I get quite excited by that because it shows to me that you care yeah. about the same thing that I care about. Yeah, it starts to be a bit of an increase in conversations in the PR industry about whether that should be a role and hiring external ex- experts or not, yeah. or training up PRs. So it's interesting to get your thoughts on that. I know that you're only four months in and, <laughs> and it is a secret, but I did see that Secret Cinema, you now, <laughs> you are Secret Cinema yeah, now, yeah. four months in, have just launched in the US. So yeah, we've done a few things in the US over the last few years and yeah, we are making waves 
lives over there in the months to come. So a couple of things, a, a video game based experience all around Arcane, a video series and Stranger Things a couple of years back in LA. So yeah, exploring options right now. I'm a member of the team on the ground over there to see what's coming next. That's going to be my next question, actually. So do you look for, yeah, are you hiring on, you know, on the ground teams there or agencies there or are you work with UK agencies to try and do some US work? Yeah, so I mean, this this business and this setup, yeah, we have someone on the ground there who will then have access to agencies in market. And I yeah. think that is usually my default way to go rather than global agencies. Sometimes network agencies can have, you know, really nice synergies, but I've found typically that you can't be good at everything. And when it comes to countries, there are so many nuances with the way that media is handled that getting folks on the ground is usually the the best way. So we have Todd on the team in the US. Um, based, yeah, <laughs> he was in London last week. Lovely to see him. Based in Louisville, Kentucky. He works entirely remote, and he is searching for you know local agency for PR for right media. Now, for we yeah. have a lot of US yeah. agencies that listen to this. Uh, Todd's inbox is about to get pretty full, <laughs> yeah. I think. But yeah, he's looking for support there and I think the US is fascinating as well because it is not a country it is 50 small countries all stitched yes. together I lived um, there for a while and realised that and you know right you, you cross the border and you're like oh it's completely different, completely different. so I styles think styles of PR agencies it, it, exactly yeah. like the coasts from middle America the north the south like just state by state it can be quite different mm. and so we will take a similar kind of approach, I think, and not just say, oh, one agency. We will probably look to partner with different agencies for different projects. Does that depend um, on where the event might be? Exactly. If it's yeah. LA, if it's New York, if it's Florida, if it's yeah, Vegas, it if it's sense. Texas, wherever it may be, would look to find somebody who knew the market. I think we're in the events business, right? So you kind of need someone that's got their finger on the pulse for local events. Yeah. There's obviously a much larger brand narrative that we want to tackle. And so a national agency may be the way to go do that. That is all TBD up in the air and a secret, of course. <laughs> so I've already taken up lots of your time and you are a busy man. You need to get back to that work. Yeah. But before you go, it's great. I mean, it's great seeing Secret Cinema has grown so much since I first discovered it many mm -hmm. years ago. But what is the main thing that you'd love to achieve in this role of Secret Cinema? Oh, amazing. Yeah. We're 15 years old now. It's, oh, really? Yeah, it's crazy. I said a few I, years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like looking back over the archives and everything, it was amazing stuff and time. But I guess for me, I would be happy for more people to experience it. I think that's something that I was quite startled by is like 15 years and most of our productions have been here in London. Yes, we've been to Shanghai. Yes, we've been to LA. And now we're off to Birmingham. And that is kind of first step to exploring more, more opportunities for more people to access the product. I think, like I said earlier, it's people have such an absolutely mind-blowing time with these spectacular experiences. Why should it just be here in London? Why can you know, why can we not take this to more people? So that for me would be really successful if audience growth isn't just, you know, a few more folks in London coming along. It's international reach for you know, more audiences in more places with more experiences. I would feel thrilled if we could deliver that. Yeah. Love it. Well, we'll see. Yes. Maybe we'll get Stay in a, another <laughs> interview in a year's time. I would love to come back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Simon. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. 
That was the PR Resolution podcast. If you want to learn more about emerging areas of PR, join the PR Resolution and head to blog.coveragebook.com. Stay in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales and make sure you subscribe to the series to get the next episode.